0: Hello, my friend. Are you ready to be empowered? You are in the right place. I am Malia Warner, and this is Power Principles, the podcast. Today is episode 35, Side Door Approaches to Problem Solving. Hi friends, how is screen break going? Are any of you doing a screen break reset for school time? We are doing it this week at my house and I have to say my children are doing so well. Even my youngest was sick and home from school two days this week, which makes for very long days. He did not ask to watch television or a movie or play on my phone or play with the iPad or anything, not once. And the house was so quiet. It was very nice. On the other hand, I am not doing fantastic. Oh, I'm not doing that bad. (laughs) It's much harder for me than I expected it to be. If my children are listening, hold me to it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So what's up? Are you ready to think about your problems in a little bit different way? Ready for a new perspective? All right, let's dive in. How often do you hear, you have to face your problems head on, This sounds like the noble thing to do, doesn't it? It sounds like the take charge thing to do. I want to be a proactive problem solver. And that means I'm going to take that bull by the horn, wrestle it to the ground, lasso its legs, stand up, raise my arms and declare victory. But today I'm going to propose that head on is not always, maybe not even often the best solution. And I think your intuition already knows what I'm talking about. You've been around long enough. You've tried to solve problems the head-on way. darling. this ain't your first rodeo, right? So you know that at times our human existence is like living inside a china shop. One wrong move and you knock something valuable off the shelf. And if our approach to problem solving resembles wrestling a bull in a china shop, well, we know what those results are going to be, don't we? A song comes to mind from the post-Disney Miley Cyrus, not the cute Hannah Montana version. She summed up the bull in a china shop approach to problem solving with the lyrics, You came in like a wrecking ball. And take my word, trust me on this. You do not want a reenactment of that music video playing in your life. Now the bad news is we've all approached problems with the grace and bulk of a Texas longhorn when it maybe would have been better to tread lightly like a porcelain ballerina. The good news is shattered things can be mended. Humans are actually quite repairable. China shops can be cleaned up after the bull runs through. But isn't it always easier to not break something in the first place? And this is where the approach of coming up problems through the side door comes into play. Today's podcast will focus on three side door approaches to problem solving. I want to first briefly introduce all three and then go back and go into details and examples. As a note, the examples I'll use generally have to do with children parenting because that's the stage of life that I'm in. But the principle can be applied to any problem, to any situation. The principle itself stays true. The application is personal. Number one side door approach to minimize, to stop making the problem big. Stop making mountains out of molehills. Number two, dissipating conflict energy. And number three, questioning the roadblock. Sounds intriguing? You with me? Let's dive in. And it might even be helpful as we go through this podcast, if you think about a particular problem, think about an issue that you're facing, something that's bugging at you, something that you're mulling over that you can't quite seem to figure out. And see if coming at that problem with any of these three different side door approaches gives you the click, the aha that you've been searching for. Number one, a side door approach works by minimizing problems. This is how we stop making mountains out of molehills. Think about the front door of your house and what is on the front door of your house and what comes in and out of the front door of your house. Are you letting problems be front door guests? Maybe this particular problem doesn't deserve your front door attention. Approaching a problem through the side door can be helpful because it takes away its starring role. Maybe this thing is really a side issue. And so maybe I want to keep it on the side where it belongs and let other things in my front door. Another way to think about the side door approach is our side doors, our kitchen doors, our patio doors, they are for our intimate guests, right? The people that we are the closest to, our family, they're the ones who just come in the side door. They don't even knock. They just come into our house. And this represents keeping our problems to ourselves or keeping our problems within our intimate circle. If we hang our problems on the front door, like one of those seasonal wreaths, that's the first thing people see about us. And then that's how we begin to be defined and how we identify ourselves and how other people identify us also by our problems. I love my neighbor has this saying. She's always like, don't deck the halls with your follies. We all know these people, right? They're the ones that we get stuck sitting next to at the neighborhood dinner or trapped between their shopping cart and the water chestnuts on the canned vegetable aisle when you're in a hurry at the grocery store. And you know that whatever happens in their life is going to be a problem and that they're going to tell you all about it. We all know these people. We have all been these people at one time or another. And let me clarify here, I am not talking about hiding problems. I am not talking about brushing them under the rug and pretending they don't exist and putting on this June cleaver, flawless veneer, spotless house. I like real. I like messy. I like honesty. What I'm talking about is that if our problems are what we hang on the front door, if our problems are the things that we're letting in and out of the very foremost place of our life then we are going to have a lot more problems. So a side door approach does not mean ignoring problems or hiding problems. Definitely. We need to talk about problems with the right people at the right time in the right place using discretion and not becoming a broken record who continuously only talks about problems. If all that we talk about are problems, then all we are going to have in our life is problems. So principle number one, some problems just don't need to be made a big deal of. They don't need to be the star of our life. They don't need to be the big thing, the first thing that everyone sees about us when they enter the front door of our life. Number two, and this one is my favorite. I think you're going to find that it's really magical. A side door approach to solving problems dissipates conflict energy. We don't talk about energy enough. As humans, we are made of energy. Everything around us is energy. Everything we do and accomplish in life is energy, creative energy, intellectual energy. And most of the time we ignore it. We aren't conscious of where our energy is directed or what we're doing with it. So visualize with me the image of facing a problem head on. It's me versus the problem. It's a face off Opposing football teams line up this way, which is okay because they're in it for the conflict. They're looking for some rumble tumble contention. There will be collision and injuries. I remember my brother's pinky finger completely bent back from one of those collisions and I'm glad it was his pinky finger, not his neck. Think about how old time war, how battles were fought head on and you think of the civil war and the term the front line and literally the opposing armies would line up face to face. And if you were on the front line, you knew things were not going to turn out so well for you. Are you catching on the message here that opposing forces, when they go face to face, when they go head on, it's messy, it's contentious, it's conflict. It makes me think about one time I walked into church to my women's meeting and the chairs were set up facing each other directly face to face. It was a very unusual arrangement for a classroom. And it was intended to foster discussion and to help us look at each other and interact more. But the energy in that room was very interesting. Someone would make a comment and I instinctively would want to argue with them. A lovely woman would share a story and something in me just wanted to punch her in the face. And it wasn't about anything that she said, really. It was the face-to-face. Now, i don't know a lot about feng shui and setting up rooms and how to channel energy and things like that i do think it's fascinating i would like to learn more about it but i do know that human energy face to face is naturally confrontational it's powerful and it's repelling it's like magnetic poles that repel and like i said earlier 90% of the time as humans, we're going through life completely unaware, completely unconscious of where we're throwing our energy. It's like giving a laser gun to a toddler. I'm definitely not talking about running away from the battle. I'm not talking about going a wall and hiding in the forest and leaving the fighting to the other guys. I'm not talking about surrendering. There are definitely battles worth fighting, but there can be better ways to fight. It doesn't have to be head on face to face. If we think about the Revolutionary War, and to my British listeners, who I don't think I have any right now, but if one day in the future I have listeners from across the pond, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope this isn't offensive. When we think about the Revolutionary War, the redcoats were trained, the soldiers were trained, military style was to line up, to have a front line and the second line and the third line and to go head on to battle. The colonists, who were far more shabbily prepared with less ammunition and ragged clothes, won battles by not fighting head-on, but by finding other ways, by finding side-door approaches. For any of you who are familiar with war stories in the Book of Mormon, there are a lot of examples of wise war captains who studied strategy and who learned about coming at opposing armies from the side. Here's another visual which I think really helps to explain this principle of dissipating conflict energy. Think about a bride and groom getting married, and they don't face each other directly, right? They slightly turn sideways to face the priest or whoever is performing the marriage. When they do face each other, it's usually to exchange rings or lift the veil, give the kiss. So they have hands between them or something to buffer between them. In my church, in temple marriages, bride and groom meet over an altar. So the altar is a buffer for that powerful face-to-face energy. Also, the couple continually looks to the temple sealer who is performing the marriage. This is why I believe we're taught to include God in our marriage. That marriage is not a partnership of two people, but a partnership of three. And when I say God, I mean whatever your higher power is for you. So in a partnership of two, you're going to have that face off confrontational energy. In a circle of three, the energy is channeled and flows. It's a current versus a face off between two. Now at times the energy of going face to face with a spouse or a child can be powerful. I believe in getting down on my knees and looking my children in the eyes. There are effective ways to do it and that intimate energy can be channeled in a good direction. But the majority of time we don't know how to approach it and we aren't prepared when it happens. So it ends up having negative effects and tends to create conflict rather than unity and consensus in the same way that front energy can be confrontational back energy can be threatening. This is why I'm not calling these principles a backdoor approach to problem solving. If you think about someone coming at you from behind, that's scary. It's terrifying. You feel a threat And husbands and wives can be mindful of this with each other and also with children, that even if you have good intentions to come up behind someone and put your arms around them and give them an an embrace, some people are okay with that. But for some people, it's very threatening. It's very terrifying. So become an observer of your energy and how people respond to your energy. And is your approach, even if you're not intending it this way, Being interpreted as confrontational or threatening. And if you start to notice that it is, well, wham, that energy could be fueling the problem in and of itself. And sometimes the solution can simply be changing your demeanor, being more conscientious to come up to people from the side instead of head on or in the back. Number three, a side door approach can be effective by examining the roadblock. This side door approach can simply mean asking if the problem really is a problem. Maybe it's not a problem at all. When my son was two or three years old in that fun stage where they're just starting to learn to talk and they sound so cute. He learned the quotation and I think it came from a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. And my son would say it in his little toddler voice and we would laugh. And I have a recording of him saying, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. And if I can find that video, I will post it on Facebook. I will figure out a way to put it on Instagram because it's worth seeing. The point is that maybe what you think is a problem isn't a problem after all. Maybe this roadblock that you're hitting up against over and over again isn't really blocking you. You know, those practice dummies that the football players hit up against to practice tackling and they just charge into it and you know, it like knocks the breath out of them and they go back and they charge into it again and go back and charge into it again. Because you think you've got to conquer this, you think you've got to conquer this beast in order to move forward. So you just keep ramming against it and ramming against it and it beats you down every time. What if that thing that you see as a problem, as a hindrance to you moving forward, isn't blocking you at all? What if the only problem is that you're fixated on it and that you've gotten into the habit of ramming into it over and over and over again. And so you're not moving forward in life and you're convinced that that's the reason that you're not moving forward in life. And really all you need to do is step back, step to the side and move right around it. So three different types of side door approaches to problem. One, minimizing the problem by taking it to the side door, by moving it out of the front and center position of your life. Number two, dissipating the conflict energy by coming at the problem from the side instead of head on. And number three, examining if the problem really is blocking you or if you just need to move around to the side. Pretty cool, huh? Kind of makes sense. That's why I love these principles. That's why I love teaching these power principles. Sometimes just a different perspective is all you need. So let's take these and put them into some real life examples. Okay. Let's say the problem is your child is coming home with low grades, with C's and D's on the report card. Is anyone struggling with this issue right now? And if this isn't the issue that you have right now, Just kind of replace this example with whatever particular issue you're struggling with. But let's say that it's the child and the report card. And you know that this child is completely capable, completely intelligent and able to master the content and do the homework. There are no physical or intellectual disabilities. And so you feel like it's motivation or not caring or playing too many video games, you know, whatever you think the reason is, this problem of the child and the report card. So what is our tendency? Our tendency as parents is to come at that head on, right? Face to face with the child. This report card is terrible. Why are you lazy? You play too many games. How come you didn't get your homework in? Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to take the car away. No more driving. No more going out with friends. You're grounded. No more computer games, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes that works. Sometimes in one case, that's all that needs to happen. And then, you know, it fixes the situation. But if it's not working, if you're feeling like you are banging your head and trying everything and yelling and screaming until you're blue in the face and trying to talk to them about their future and college, and they're going to end up being a bum, living in a van down by the river, and that's not working, then let's examine that maybe the head-on bull in a china shop isn't the way to resolve this problem, let's look at applying a side door approach. So as we examine this situation, first question is, am I making this problem too big? Is my child's report card hanging on the front door of our lives? Is it the first thing that the neighbors, that the friends that I see, that the child sees when they come into my house? Has that report card become the big issue, bigger than everything else. And you might think, well, it is a big deal. You've got to graduate from high school. You've got to get to college or you're never going to earn income. Yes, yes, yes. All that's true. But making the problem the center stage actually perpetuates the problem. It feeds on itself. So how do we come at it from a side door approach? This is what you can do much of the time when a child is not doing well in school, when they're capable of it, it has nothing to do with their ability or their motivation. And it has everything to do with their feelings about themselves, their feelings about their own identity, their own worth. It's very much their own self-esteem. So look at what's happening when you're taking that negative report card and hanging it on the front door and making it center stage. You've created this visual in your life that this is what the child is and it's reinforcing to their own subconscious I am bad. I am dumb. I am stupid. I'm i I'm only capable of C's and D's grades. And that's just pounding, pounding, pounding in their identity. So instead get that report card off the front door, get it small, get it to be a small issue. And then what do you put on the front door instead? You put all of the things that that child is you focus on their character, you focus on their skills, you focus on who they are as an individual. How did you feel about the child the first time he or she was placed in your arms? What did you see when you looked into their eyes as an infant? What unique characteristics did you start to notice were inherent in that child from the moment they were struggling to learn how to walk? learning how to speak, going to school for the first time. What is that child's eternal nature? What is the divine they have in them? And I am not talking about religion. I am talking about the worth of every human on the planet. Every human has unique characteristics, ability, personality, presence, ability to contribute something no one else can. And just the fact that they live and breathe, exist on this planet, has value. And if you cannot think immediately of five, ten things that make your child unique and special and worthy of love, the problem is not their report card. Make sense? A child is unable to see themselves in a grander way than you see them. As parents, we are mirrors of our children's worth. They develop their sense of self by looking at us and to us and how we respond to them. And if what we are hounding about and hanging on our front door are our child's shortcomings, then our child inevitably will always come up short. Make sense? We talk very little about grades and school in our family. I rarely ask about homework and assignments and are they doing it? It's just a given. My kids just have always known that I see them as A students and they see themselves that way too. And I know it's not always cut clean and dry like that, but does the principle make sense? Your child will rise up to the level you see them in your own eyes. So you've been the bowl in the china shop. There are a lot of things broken on the ground. What do you do now? Well, you're going to stop coming at that report card head on. You're going to get it off the front door and you're going to dissipate conflict energy. You're going to stop coming head on and you're going to start approaching your child from the side. And here are some ways. First of all, whenever you have a conversation about the problem, in this case, it's grades, but you can apply this to whatever issue you're thinking about. Whenever you have a conversation about the problem, have the conversation at a neutral time and in a neutral place. Married people, the time to have conversations about SEX is not in the middle of SEX. A better way to have conversations about intimacy is on a walk outside of your house, outside of the bedroom, at a time that has nothing to do with being in that moment. Do something neutral so that you aren't facing off. Neutral could be sitting side by side playing a video game as long as it's a game that you can talk and play. Go for a bike ride, go for a walk, walk with your kids. Walks are awesome because you're side by side and you're in nature and nature is naturally healing. The energy of nature has natural calming powers. Try having a really heated discussion in the middle of a beautiful flower garden. Speaking of gardens, go weed your garden with your children. You have a buffer task that you're doing. And again, you're out in nature. Great time to have conversations. There's a little magic hint for you. Get nature energy working in your favor. And very important here make sure that you are having plenty of conversations that are not about the problem. If more than 70, 80, 90% of the conversations that you have with your child are about their grades, then I can pretty much guarantee that issues only going to get worse. It sounds counterintuitive, but you don't solve problems by constantly talking about the problems. Sometimes we just need to neglect our problems and nurture our loves. We do it backwards. We nurture our problems and neglect our loves. One of the main reasons this is so in relationships is that humans have a need for connection. We need connection so much that if our only connection with someone is about problems, we will subconsciously create or magnify a problem in order to get our connection needs met. So think about the attention that you give your child. Do you pay more attention to the child's bad grades than the good parts of their character? If so, if that's where they get your attention is by showing up with C's and D's, then they're going to work harder to get C's and D's in order to feel connection with you. Studies have shown that kids would rather have negative attention than zero connection. Kids will choose to be yelled at rather than be ignored. So if you find yourself doing a lot of yelling, then ask why might your child or spouse be drawing that out of you? So let's finish with some power questions. When it comes to approaching any problem in your life, some things you can ask are... Am I feeding conflict energy by approaching this head on? Am I actually fueling negative energy by the way that I'm approaching? Could a simple adjustment of my physical demeanor lessen or even resolve the struggle? What about a simple adjustment to my emotional energy? Other questions. Am I making this issue too big? Am I making it the starring role the wreath on my front door. And the follow-up question, what would I rather emphasize instead? What good things in my life about my family, about this child, do I want to focus on and put front and center in the front door of my life rather than this issue? And final question, is this problem really even a problem? What would happen if I did nothing about it? How would my life be better if I simply stepped aside and moved on? So my friends, I hope something today has helped. There are a thousand different ways you can apply these principles. And I hope that just by hearing it, you've already started to see you've already had ideas and brainstorms about how you can minimize your problems, how you can dissipate the conflict energy and how you can actually completely bypass and move around blocks that aren't really blocking you at all. This is the end of the podcast. What are you going to do now? What do you want to do today? What's something you really want to do today? I have a feeling that there are things you'd much rather do than deal with problems. So solve your problems quickly. Make decisions. If it's not a problem you can solve, then it's not a problem for you to worry about. Say a prayer. Leave it to God. Keep your front door unblocked and opened to all good things in your life. May your problems be small and your pleasures big. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for listening. I'll meet you back here next week for another great episode. Until then, stay well, my friends.